Welcome to part two of this out of line discussion with Jaden Lee. What's it like to be someone who is fairly private and doesn't have, doesn't choose to have a strong online presence when you live with someone who is making different choices? Mm. Um, that's a really good question. And I, um, I applaud whoever asked it. Um, uh, I, I mean, I have a completely different take on some of the terms that are in the question if it's relating to me personally. It's a great question, I think, for anyone who's married to someone uh, who is very present online. Um, one of the terms I would adjust because I just don't relate to it is the, this idea that I'm private. I think from the perspective of being online and using that as an outlet to express myself, to um, reveal to the world who I am. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm private, but in real life, that's only in context to social media. So that if I remove social media completely, I'm actually not a private person at all. Um, I'm quite candid with my friends and family. Um, I'm, I'm actually pretty upfront I have difficulty not being opinionated. I have difficulty not wearing my heart on my sleeve. And the people in my life typically know if something's up with me. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, that's always, I feel like that's a strange thing to say about myself. Um, but I feel pretty confident that it's accurate. Um, I mean, I've heard other people say that before and I thought, oh, of course you're saying that about yourself. But you know, I guess I should trust that they're being honest about themselves because I'm being honest now. Um, so already I don't relate to the idea of being private. I've shared some pretty crazy stuff with people. Uh, and if I was private, that would never happen. So I already challenged that. I think, so I'm not really a private person. Um, I feel a bit turned off by social media. I'm 100% aware of the fact that social media is a wonderful and effective tool, but it's not everything. And it, I've found that, um, and I think Amy said, lovely, beautiful, amazing Amy said that she's social media adjacent. Influencer adjacent. Uh, sorry, influencer adjacent. <laughs> I am influencer adjacent. Um, <laughs> And thank you, Amy. You are so adorable. And I just think you're amazing. And yeah, you've coined a term that I'm like, that's what I am. I'm social media adjacent because I am, or influencer adjacent, I'm surrounded by influencers, which I suppose gives me a unique in. I don't relate to 95% of the influencers that I know. And that's not me judging them or having any... I don't think I'm being judgmental. I, I don't have any harsh feelings towards them, but it's not really for me, um, which I think has probably meant that at times I've thrown social media out with the bathwater, the baby out with the bathwater. 
but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose being married to a, someone who doesn't like being called an influencer, but is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are one. Um, I think it only exasperates that already normal tendency to like, uh, not use it as my number one form of reaching out to people. Like I like being in the space of the person that I want to communicate with. Um, I find that to be really authentic. Um, I get energized by it. I tend to attract people like that too. Uh, despite the fact that I'm friends with many influencers who I also adore, but I think there, there's just a different philosophy of, um, of like being social when it comes to influencers. Uh, and you know, it's not even just influencers. It's those who think they're influencers or it's those who desire to be influencers. Um, and in case anyone's wondering, I am saying influencer. <laughs> Australians are still struggling to uh, pronounce their R's in a way that Americans can respond to, <laughs> at least at the end of words. Um, <laughs> sorry, just a little self-deprecating joke there. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, I, mean, I don't want to waffle on, but I mean, I've seen some stuff. I've seen some strange things happen um, in when I'm in the room with mostly influencers, which has been many, many, many times. Um, Tell us. <laughs> well, uh, for instance, I remember being a part of this incredibly beautiful, sacred ceremony um, that was very influencer rich in the room. And I think I was one of three people who actually was not compelled to grab my phone and capture it and capitalize on it. That is just what it is. But I, I remember even being, I, I will say I did feel a bit annoyed at the time because I felt like that in itself was a distraction from what was happening in the room. I think we're just in a really interesting time. There are a lot of people who feel the need to capture everything all the time and completely infiltrate social media with what's happening in their life. And it's not always interesting. And sometimes (laughs) it's really bloody boring and actually kind of false because I'm also a photographer. So I've also shot for influencers and we always have fun. But, you know, and I think this is why one of, and I don't even really know, you'll have to correct me, but there is a certain like standard if you're an influencer who's posting something that's a marketing post that you have to like hashtag it some in one way or another. I know you can tell me what it is because yeah. I've never had to tag it. But um, Like hashtag sponsored. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think I've had a lot of fun on those shoots and I know speaking with influencers on the shoot, They'll say it themselves, you know, and so it's a job. It is a job. And so that's why I think I'm, um, this is such a long way around to talk to you about like what your actual question was. That's all right. I'm used to you. (laughs) You know, I like to get to the bottom of things. Yes. Um, He's a Scorpio, everyone. (laughs) He is very Scorpio-tastic. Well, I just, I think that I desire a, I mean, I grew up on a, what Americans would call a ranch what Australians would refer to as an equestrian center or property, which 
basically means I took care of horses. I was a stable boy. I spent a lot of time alone. Well, not alone. I was with horses, like beautiful, wonderful spirits who I miss. Actually, I miss the ranch life. Um, and I had a lot of time to reflect and be in the moment, be in nature. And I'm aware that that it now, especially now as an adult who's not there, I see um, more so how that was a great gift. And so I think social media is a brilliant, wonderful tool that is addictive. People are obsessed with it. And I don't think it's social media itself. I think it's fame, especially in this country, which is far more fame driven than other countries. Maybe not the most, but it might be. Um, and so I think social media is not really about social media. It's about the opportunity to become famous, which saddens me a little bit because I think that people are valuable whether they're famous or not. In the same way that I think a super famous person like Tom Cruise, who's been famous for decades, is just a regular human being when it all comes down to it. I would also say that Joe or Josephine Smith, who are down the road, are just as valuable as Tom Cruise. But I don't know if a lot of people think like that. I think they know what to say. They know how to sound right. But I think this is where it comes into play with you and me in our relationship. Is there are probably times when I um, get a bit annoyed because I want to be in the moment with you or rather you be in the moment with me. And what I think is really funny about you is I will have not picked up my phone all day <laughs> and you have been on your phone a lot. And I've looked over to you and been like, oh, she's, she's in her thing. She's doing her thing. Not going to stop her from doing her thing. But then I might like uh, pick up my phone for the first or second time in a day, constituting like less than five or six minutes on it. <laughs> and you'll have put your phone down and then look at me and say, dude, you do nothing but sit on your phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, which is a good reminder to me that if I actually sit on my phone all day, I don't, I'm obviously not present enough to what's going on around me that I can make pretty quick judgments. And so I like, I try to keep a good sense of humor about it, but there are times when it does get me down. Um, being married to you in this way. And this is where I guess I'm going to get out of line. Um, Do it. <laughs> you know, I recognize that that's a component of your passion, especially someone like you who's very socially aware and driven to see uh, people uh, step into equality socially, which, I mean, that's brilliant. That's amazing. I think that's a huge part of how you use social media as a platform. You also love to have fun and social media is something you express a lot of fun with. Um, but being married to you, sometimes it's like, I haven't really figured out that way to draw you back into our living reality from time to time um, without offending you or making it sound judgmental. And by, for the record, I, I think Caroline you have a pretty good balance as an influencer um, because there have been times where you've been on your phone like forever, but there are other, like I think you've really worked on it and I think that you, um, it's always going to be a balancing act for you. 
And I respect and appreciate that. I don't feel judgmental. I just know what works for me. And I think it's harder to have that sort of philosophy being who I am and seeing a reduction in the general populace of sharing the same thoughts. So there's certain things I just said that would be a laughing stock to most younger people who've never known life without the internet. And that's really fascinating to me in the same way that I don't know life without video games because I grew up in at the end of the Atari age and coming into the Nintendo age, but I don't play video games anymore. Um, if anything, I still have my original Game Boy and I will play Tetris from time to time. And it's usually when I'm on vacation. We're talking probably constitutes less than two hours a year. Uh, so I wouldn't consider myself a gamer at all, but I was once. Um, and I'm waffling like a crazy person. So, <laughs> you, yeah. you've, you're talking about waffles a lot. You're making me hungry. I think that's the second time you talked about waffles. I'm ready for brunch. Let's, let's use the internet for what it's good for. Let's Postmates some waffles. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Postmates keeps us alive. If I'm going to be totally... Actually, you keep me alive because you're like the cook around here. But Postmates is a, you know, plan B. Um, okay, so I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm hearing that that there's good in social media, but that you almost err on the side of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and not seeing the good because you almost have to, well, you choose to or believe that you are creating balance in our home and life by being the one who isn't using it to offset how much I do. Can you imagine if I was on my phone the majority of the day thinking about social media and engaging with people who aren't in our home or in our space or in our life. It would, you, what would our dynamic be like in your opinion? It would be different for sure. And sometimes I, I don't know that many couples who are both equally on social media. And sometimes I think about like Jeff and Kelly Mendel mm -hmm. and I think there's, who I love to pieces. Yeah. They're the best, but I think they're, oh my gosh, I love you guys. They should be on together. Maybe that's next week. Um, I haven't asked them yet. Maybe the four of us should be. Oh, my word. That's too many voices. That's to too mix. much, Jaden. That's too much, Jaden. <laughs> but I think I'm there kidding. aren't that many people who are both online. Like, I think about our groups of friends and, you know, one of the two is very on and one of the two is very not. And I'm not sure if that's a intentional choice in each case, Um but it's definitely a pattern. And so there's something there. And I think... <laughs> what do you think it is? Well, I think, for one thing, I think opposites attract. So I think that it's pretty rare to have two people who are, like, exactly the same being together and liking each other for too long because it's just... it'd be It's short-lived. Hmm. It's short-lived to be with someone who's just like you. Because hmm. after a while, it gets boring. It gets annoying. It's hard to look at yourself in the mirror every day. You start seeing your flaws a lot easier. You're not the things that, you know, like you're you're pushing each other's buttons in ways that aren't stimulating. They're annoying. Mm -hmm. um, that's my interpretation. And I only dated someone that was just like me. And I got really, yeah, it was it was boring after a minute. Uh, there's literally a, a amazing Seinfeld episode about this. Oh, geez. 
which, you know, I, f- I think you should do everyone a service and link to this episode on Hulu. Okay. Um, but, you know, Seinfeld meets this girl and they just click and they have the best time ever. And, and half the episode is about him just being like, I'm in love. I think she's my person. And then he realizes she is him. <laughs> she's just the gender swapped him. <laughs> and he then hates her. He loathes her and they have to break up. Um, so yeah, just to... So basically you're saying Seinfeld agrees with me. Seinfeld agrees with you, which I would take as a compliment. Great. Then we're aligned. I think that opposites attract. That's, that's why there's like yin and yang. That's why, um, you know, if you have too much of the same energy in one space, I'm not a chemist, but it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. Not good. Not good. (laughs) So I would say that my theory is for one opposites attract so if there are two people in a relationship and one's online and one's off then that's part of just the two people being different and then I do think that on the other hand it it does have something to do with balance and if one person's on all the time then the other person is almost like you're explaining kind of creating the opposite choice like rather than sharing everything online I'm going to share nothing rather than posting once a day or once a week I'm going to not post Mm -hmm. um and so yeah I I think that there is something to be said for that and um it it is interesting to think through um so many of our you know air quotes influencer friends and how few of them it is both of them that are online Actively, and I really the only couple I can think of is Jeff and Kelly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else, it's always like I could name one of the two that's really present um, online, and the other isn't. So it's an interesting thing, and it's also an interesting thing I think for people who have kids and that whole thing about you know whether or not the kids are gonna which side they end up taking, whether they as they grow up if they if they do the like be online a lot or if they do the like not be online a lot. But back to us, since we don't even have kids, um, what about... We are still kids. We, we are. But some kids have kids. We, That's true. We don't. We don't currently have kids. No, we don't. Besides us being kids, which we are, and not having kids, I think the other thing that I'm thinking about when it comes to a lot of our friends that have one person that has a strong presence online and one that doesn't is how many of them are like a team when it comes to what they do with work. Like so often if I were to name tons of the couples that I know that do work, a lot of them work together. A lot of them are a team. A lot of them have different roles where it's like one of them is, you know, the writer or the photographer or the whatever. And the other person is like the engineer or the designer or whatever it is that they often work together even if only one of them really chooses to have an outlet for it so i'm curious if you have thoughts on that which i'm sure you will because of waffles on teamwork on on your thoughts just on general with one person getting known for something and then having someone that does something with them. Like the number of our friends and colleagues and people in LA and, and even like think about like Aaron and Ken Lochner in Indiana, like they work together. They've been on, they do like HGTV stuff. They've whatever. I think Ken is my spirit animal. No, Ken and I have the same personality type. So get (laughs) off Ken. He's mine. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's true. Actually, me and Aaron have the same personality. Yeah. Type, but you know what? They are collectively our spirit animal. Okay. Well, they're great. But anyway, Aaron and Ken, like Design for Mankind is them in so many ways. Mm-hmm. They work together on everything. And sure. yet Aaron is the face. Like no one, if Ken like, you know, got asked to speak at a big like blogger conference, everyone would be like, who? Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that that's another interesting angle of what we're talking about. And do you ever feel angry or left out or not acknowledged because we are a team in so much of what we do and yet because you don't kind of self-promote constantly online, um, do you feel less seen and, and acknowledged because of that? Um, I think there is a tension whenever you're working with someone who's in the spotlight and you pretty much do the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been frustrated before. I think it's been frustrating when I've, there's been times when I've been the one who has 100% created the content. And, um, this was definitely early on when Instagram was new and, um, you know, they, you know, one another reason I should say, just leading into that a little slight preamble is one of the reasons I'm also turned off by social media was just how much of a circle jerk it is. <laughs> All right. And <laughs> it is. And you're laughing and nodding your head because you know what I'm talking about. It's a big old circle jerk. And it really was, it really was like early on when people started realizing, oh man, I can like create something here it was it was even worse because everyone was almost like it's like a rat race to fame um and which i was never really interested in but i can tell you that after like a day or two of shooting something and creating content um for people which as i said before i always have fun typically uh it usually takes some extraneous circumstances for me not not to be having fun doing what i love doing but then like at the end of it, I watched the circle jerkers jerking in the circle. And I'm like, one part of me is like, Hey, <laughs> how come you're not letting me in the circle? And the other part's like, damn, I'm glad not to be part of that circle jerk. But that's one of the reasons, like I remember making content and being the sole photographer and because your handle is team Woodnote, they think it's us. It's not, it's you which is fine. Ultimately it's fine. But I think there are times where I'm just like, Oh gosh, like, um, do I, does anyone even have the sensibility to include the actual people if you're going to acknowledge something? And I don't think a lot of people do because they all, and now, because I mean, what have you got? 75,000 followers, something like that. Something. I'm not even going to say the number of my followers because it's already automatically going to turn people off because that's how people are programmed. No, no, I'm just joking. I'll probably take that out. But it's like... No, leave it in. (laughs) But it's like, you know, I've got um, like 2,200 followers and I've never tried to gain followers. So, you know, in the regular world, in the non-influencer world, friends of mine, like, oh man, you got some followers there. And I'm like, not really. (laughs) Have you seen Caroline's kind of thing? Um, But it's like now I think it's interesting because all the more this sort of circle jerk is sort of happening because now it's like, unless you have a certain number of followers, 
now people won't tag you because of that. Not because they weren't present to who was actually creating the work. Um, but now they're like, especially being in a team, if we're working on something as a team, I always get sort of like left on the sidelines in terms of social media. Personally, I'm not on the sidelines. Everyone who I work with knows exactly who I am and I have great connections and relationships with the people I work with, right? Um, so we're talking, just to remind, we're talking in context of social media here, but it's like, they're always going to be like, oh yeah, we'll tag team Woodnote because uh, hello, 75,000 followers. And then Jade Z pants, 2,200 and some. It's like, of course, it makes total sense. I'm not actually offended by that because it makes sense to me. But I think there is an element where doing the work and being kind of, it's a little obtuse on influencers side to be like, oh, oh yeah, well, I mean, I'll just do it. I mean, it, it'll be fine. It's like, yeah, well, not to the person who's creating the content all the time. It's like, this is the 1000th time this has happened. But I think between you and me personally, there are times where I'm like, um, you know, don't believe your own press. And me and Caroline, to the audience out there, have a very candid relationship with each other, very intense individuals, and we tell each other what we think. And that's one thing I know you've heard me say. Don't believe your press. Do not lose touch of what it's like to not be an influencer. And I've said that to a few close friends who are influencers and they just blank stare at me almost like I'm threatening to take away their drug. Mm. And that's the thing that really, really, if you want to get philosophical with me about social media, this is the way to do it. I am concerned that people's real individuality and personality is getting lost under a wave of branded self. And I think more people should be concerned about that than seem to be. And I think influencers should be responsible because influencers be, need to be careful not to become the new magazine cover that shows a skinny white girl and sends a message to all girls that their bodies aren't good enough when they are. And I think influencers, even on that level, like influencers even get good at knowing what to say, knowing the trends, knowing what wave to ride without actually embodying that empowered attitude or rather embodying that attitude that empowers other people to feel like they're okay. There's a lot of insecure people out there and that's the new thing. Like people being voyeurs to other people's lives and thinking that it's all authentic. It may not be because we're talking about branded individuals who may not have people like saying the same thing. Like don't believe your own damn press. Like don't go there. That's the beginning of the end for, you know, a person's humility. So yeah, I'm sure that I'm like a stick in the mud for saying all this stuff, but like, this is, this is a real, I feel like what I'm saying is, is actually a pretty real attitude for people who are not caught up in this. You know, I do not feel guilty if I don't post in six months, give me a freaking break. Cause in six months, I can tell you all the people I've connected with, all the people I've laughed my ass off with, all the people that I've cried with, and that was just on Wednesday. 
<laughs> but no, you know what I mean. I hope you know what I mean. It's like um, to maybe bring some clarity to what I mean. I mean, this is an experienced attitude for me. So we went to this dinner that was hosted literally underneath the shuttle Endeavour. And it was so exciting because I'm such a space nerd. I love space. I love the idea of being in space. I love the idea of what's out there in space. I love watching movies and documentaries surrounding space. So the idea of me being able to like shake the hand of a real astronaut and give him a hug and like have a drink with him was so awesome. And we're right under the endeavor, which already that's a character in its own self. And so, you know, we had a great night. It was so much fun. We met a barrage of people, um, many of which uh, after having, you know, a laugh and whatever would ask, you know, oh, what's your social media handle, whatever. And, you know, Caroline gives hers and like, oh, great, you know. And these are other influences. The, the, per, the, the people I'm going to, I'm not calling out anyone. I'm going to keep it anonymous. <laughs> but I hadn't met these two influences and I think I met 15 that night, something like that. But these two influences were doing this with us. And it was fun. We, we had been laughing and the connection in real life was strong, right? So they asked for yours. They, you give it. Team Woodnote. At Team Woodnote. Follow me. Yay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, sound like such a dingleberry. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, they follow you with like, with enthusiasm, which I'm not surprised. And not only that, you've got a great social media presence and you're awesome in real life. So like, why wouldn't they want to follow you and be enthusiastic? So, um, then they asked for mine and I'm like a little reluctant cause I know how this is going to go. And so I said, oh, okay. Yeah. If you want, um, I'm at Jadesy pants, have a look. And so they look it up. And one of the guys says to me, oh, you're literally a nobody. <laughs> like a nobody? Really? Damn. So, you know, I don't know if that uh, resonates with you at all. I don't know if we've really ever talked about that. I know that we drove away and I was like, man, that was, that was actually harsher than it usually is. But like, that's happened to me probably a half a dozen times when someone said something as harsh as that. Oh, you're like, you're like literally a nobody. Like uh, you're a no one. Harsh words, brother. Harsh words, sister. Because the deal is that's not true. I am 100% someone. I matter just like you do. And I was this close and you know, I can get intense. <laughs> I was this close to saying that to that guy. And you know that I can do this. I have a tendency to do this. I was literally about to say that and like tell him every reason why what he's saying needs to be redirected and put my hand on his heart and look in his eyes and say, you matter and so do I. And we get to live on this planet together and make it better than we found it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I sent him on his way. <laughs> I sent him on his way and I did that to the astronaut instead. <laughs> and he was like, I know I did it already. Um, I didn't do it to the astronaut, but I probably should have. So, you know, as, as like a really long winded example, 
I mean, no one has a right to tell anyone else they're a nobody. Apparently, people in social media believe their own press and believe in the format that much that apparently that's the belief that's being inserted into people's heads. I'm concerned it might be migrating from their heads to their hearts. That's not the world I want to live in. The world I live in, as I said before, is that everyone matters and I get to live that. But, you know, at the same time, I'm aware that I am not everyone. I am me and I'm a somebody. You are. And as someone who lives life with you um, and knows the people that you know, I absolutely know that you show up in real life with your whole self and that everyone that knows you adores you and feels seen by you and knows that you let yourself be seen. So I do not believe that not being online is a measure of a fulfilling life by any means. It's not a measure of whether you are good at relationships by any means. Um, I think it's funny because I do feel like I see both sides a little bit because I live with you and love you and know you and know your process and know what it's like for you a little bit. And on the same side of things, I also remember what it was like to not, you know, be someone who takes social media really seriously. So I, I get that side. And I also have a lot of friends that I adore that like, you know, have 200 followers and I love them and know that it has nothing to do with their value or even like how funny they are, um, or how talented they are. It's, it's just in my perspective, I think knowing the other side of things and playing a little bit of devil's advocate and like, you know, being a challenger, the thing that I do see about choosing to use social media is that it is kind of like, a club or a game that you subscribe to. So it is as long as you know, it's a club. It is. I'm calling it, I'm calling it what it is, but I'm saying it's like if someone, and it's kind of as if I feel like if, if someone said, what's your handle? And then, and I've, I absolutely have done this. So I'm fully calling myself out. Ooh. No, I am. I'm serious. If I, (laughs) I mean that, yeah. With affection. Yeah. But no, I fully, 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 fully have done this. That if I meet someone and and they say, like, what's your handle? And I'm like, I tell them. And then, and then they follow me. And then I look at their handle. If it feels like their Instagram specifically presence is not that intentional. If it's like they post very infrequently or maybe like their grid is just kind of all like their photo grid is just kind of all over the place. And there's no like... It, it just looks like something they use as a personal outlet of expression, kind of like a Facebook page rather than, oh, no, this is like me and my portfolio. It's kind of as if, you know, you were talking to an artist or a graphic designer or someone who is a painter like your brother, Adam. He's an incredible painter and he's grown his Instagram following because he shows paintings every day. Mm-hmm. If people, if he was just Instagramming like plants in Australia and his super cute daughter, people probably wouldn't follow him at the level that they do because they're following him to see his work and to see what he's good at and to see his intentionality shared with the world. And I think that 
there are some people who use social media as a personal outlet of expression and just kind of like, I went to this pretty wedding this weekend and like, this is my cat and I love this breakfast sandwich. And that's awesome. But then the people who are like, no, I'm actually using this because this is a an outlet of my portfolio, um, in like an artist portfolio in a, in a photography portfolio, um, a designer that's showing what they're capable of. I mean, that's another thing that I do. I unfollow people who just repost. There are so many like interior designer wannabes or even actual interior designers. One of my, one of my friends who's a big interior designer recently started posting photos that she really is inspired by on Pinterest that she finds. And I'm like, Mm. I follow you for you. I follow you to see what you created intentionally with your skills and then photographed intentionally and then are sharing intentionally. And if you're just going to show me what someone else did, I'm not here for that. And so I think I have sometimes looked at someone's feed and gone, oh, this is so beautiful for like you and your life, but for me and what I'm using this for, it isn't so much um, me just like following people that I meet. It's not a business card outlet. It's it's something else. And so <laughs> I totally hear what you're saying. I absolutely do. But I also get the other side of things and get that it can be weird to try to have there be a bridge of understanding between the two. And the thing that I don't like as someone who really values equality, um, the thing that I don't like is that some people feel like it's like an elitist club that they aren't allowed into. And that's the part that I'm like, not cool. So that's just part of my, my journey of, you know, letting people know that just like you letting people know that they matter And that they can choose to put themselves out there and that it might take time for a following to grow and it might take disappointments and a journey of figuring out how to, you know, post photos that attract people's eyes and aren't just like kind of hack job. I took this and chucked it up with a long caption that no one's really reading. You know, it has to be it has to be effort has to go in to do it well. And that's okay. It's okay that it takes effort to do it well. What's not okay is that some people feel less than because of it. What's not okay is that people get addicted. What's not okay is that it can augment mental health struggles and feelings of inequality. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at. And it's, it's sort of the balance and, and towing the line and trying to find how to use it without it using me. Definitely. Look, I think social media is something we've adopted and it kind of fluked into a permanent fixture of life. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's only been a few parts of the world I've been to where social media just really isn't a thing. And I would say that like rural Democratic Republic of Congo is probably one of the only places social media isn't a thing. Mm. Um, you know, you and I, well, and Antarctica, um, but just because there's like five people who live there. But um, I have a few thoughts on that and I definitely appreciate your take on that. I just want to point out that your the context in which you're speaking is to grow a following. 
But social media isn't just about growing a following. It's taking the media and putting it into my hands. So instead of like the BBC or the ABC or NBC, and I'm jumping from England to Australia to America there, but it's like you take the news from any country and they are the media, they're sending you a message, right? Social media is about real people sharing a message with one another. Doesn't matter about following. You can have one follower and be effective. Because maybe there, there would definitely be people out there who have a handle and they go back and forth with one friend and it's so powerful for them, right? Social media shouldn't be seen in the context of people growing a following. That is how some people have used it. And that is what's been portrayed as the value. The supreme value of social media is to have a lot of people looking, right? But you don't know. You don't know that someone who doesn't have a super curated, well-crafted, super pretty social media feed, let's just say Instagram, just to bring it into a context. So you don't know that that's what they're doing isn't authentic or powerful. They might only be influencing five people, but good on them. Mm, That's mm -hmm. brilliant. Mm. It is the anthem of influencers to say what you just said. I'm going to call you up that you're speaking in context to growing a following. Because what I heard you say was you've done this before, that you've met someone in real life and connected with them. And the way that you guys exchanged an opportunity for the next step was social media. Maybe you should have traded numbers. Maybe social media should be second or third down the rung. Because if you're actually connecting with real people and you're confessing to me that you've done that, I'm not judging you for it. But I think that if that makes you change the way you see that person, or if that makes you diminish your value in that person's effectiveness in your life, you should trade numbers more often. Because then you don't look at someone's social media and you stay present to who they are. And I can tell you, knowing a lot of people who are online and seeing what they post online and seeing who they are in real life, online, and this is what this podcast is all about, online life often looks very different to what's going on in real life. Mm. And I'd prefer to stay present to what's happening in real life. And I have all the skills to grow a following. I create visual art. My visual art has propelled other people's following. I'm a writer. I'm intense and I'm a personality. There really isn't any reason other than the fact that I have given my own resistance and pushback to it for the reasons I'm saying. And so it's important not to get meta contextual when it comes to influencers <laughs> and social media. Okay. Keep it in context. Social, the majority of, I mean, this is a loaded question. So I'll just throw it out there anyways. Are the majority of the world influencers? No. Exactly. So therefore there's an experience of social media that's actually just a part of their life. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm engaged by it or interested in it necessarily. But if the person, if I have a personal connection with someone, damn straight, I'll be like, if I'm on social media cruising my feed and I see someone wrestling with their dog 
in a really crappy photo. I'm not going to like judge them for that. Good on them. That's great. He was wrestling on his dog. I wish I had a dog. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like chill the F out, everyone. Like you can say fuck. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to have to waste my time on bleeping. I'm kidding. But you know, it's like, there's more to it than that. And unfortunately now, I mean, I've heard so much now, so many times now, sorry. People say, oh, you can't do anything anymore without a following. I think that's actually become true. Relatively. And I think that makes me sad. Because I actually know some brilliant artists who are doing way better work um, and trying to get a following and can't. So the times have changed since you started your own social media journey. I think it's become a lot harder for people because now there's like really bizarre algorithms. It's like, why am I only getting these posts from nine days ago? It used to be a thing where it was, you get on and what people have posted recently is there consecutively, sequentially. Now it's like there's some robot who thinks they know better than I do. People on social media are a product. I'm a product on social media and so are you. And like, that's super harsh. And I know like people will be like, F you, Jaden, you're a wanker. But it's like, I'm not trying to be a wanker. I'm trying to actually draw attention, especially with someone that I know values equality so heavily. We should, we should definitely explore some of those areas. And that's why I love that you started having people on this podcast who aren't influencers. Don't know how I feel about being on myself. But, but I think it's I feel like good. I'm going to have to sit with you and make sure you don't edit all of your waffling to be short because you're, you are a waffler and I don't want you to filter who you are. What are you afraid of the, um, of being cut out? I'm just, I'm not afraid. I just feel like you're, you will judge yourself in a way that you'll make, you'll cut what you say and make it a lot shorter than what you actually said. So I hope that you'll leave it. Just, next. To, just to like yes and no answers. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like the most engaging podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> you'll just no, make no, it I'll, so that you, you will, only sound really funny. I can be neutral. It's okay. fine. Okay. I'm going to do it. But no, I think, you know, coming back to it, summing up what I really am trying to say is it's pretty easy to get in a feedback loop of your own press. Can you explain what a feedback loop is for people who aren't musicians? Feedback is basically where a sound source um, loops, like let's say like a microphone and a speaker. Like if I put a speaker right up to a microphone, you're going to hear like a, like this crazy feedback that's ear piercing at times because like the, the sound that's going into the microphone is going to, erupt out of the speaker as it should it's designed to then what's coming out of the speaker then goes into the microphone and then back into the speaker and out and into the microphone it goes crazy and all happens pretty instantaneously and uh it's loud it's loud and it's piercing and it's usually painful and something needs to adjust like turn the mic away from the speaker <laughs> or turn the volume down or turn the speaker off. Something has to adjust. That's what a feedback loop is. So in my life, if I surround myself with people who just are saying I'm awesome all the time, which I'm sure is a huge issue with celebrities, which I'm not. But if I surround myself with people who only tell me how awesome I am, 
I'm going to create a feedback loop for myself, hence the term believing your own press, when that may not be effective for me as an individual. Mm. It's probably, and if, if it's not effective for me as an individual, I, as an individual, will not be effective for my community. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And that's why I think it's important for all of us as humans, but for you and I, especially in the way that we're choosing to live our lives, to have people around us that we let into our lives enough that they can give us feedback. They can give us honest feedback. And I know that I know that you give me feedback. I know that our group of accountability friends that we've been talking to every week for three years, more than three years, they know me well enough that they will call me out on my shit. Um, And so it is so important to have both, to have people who are seeing, seeing you in what you are capable of and holding you to that high place and being like, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. And then it's also really important to have people willing to be honest about the areas that you need to grow. And I need to grow. Um, I think that's so, so important. And I think it's important for people to also be open enough to hear feedback because it's difficult. It's difficult to have someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to give feedback. It's difficult to receive it. It's difficult to, to like keep your ego sedated enough that it doesn't just flare up every time you hear something about yourself that you feel like I'll speak for myself that I feel like I need to defend or explain away. And instead of just being like, oh, huh, thanks for sharing. You might have a point. Let me sit with that. Instead, I want to be like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is why I do that. And here's why I'm okay. Right. Um, it's it's really important. So, yeah, I, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing what you're saying about social media kind of being, like you said, you've said like feedback loop and circle jerk which both basically mean the same thing. And I think it is. It's important to have, you know, have there be some balance to the force. Um, well, let's, and- be, let's be clear about something here real quick. I don't see that feedback loop and circle jerk are the same. Oh. Uh, they might uh, be in some strange waltz. But circle jerk... <laughs> such a I love that circle term. jerks and feedback loops are in a waltz. That's right. just that. that there works. is a circular motion occurring in both of those frenzies. I but... just, I feel like I'm <laughs> seeing like an illustrated t-shirt right now. Circle jerk is different. It's about kind of scratching each other's back. And like, it's, it's more of like kind of incestuous club. Yeah. Uh, whereas feedback loop I mean, a person can can build a feedback loop in their own mind. I uh, don't need anyone else for that. But feedback loop is about being surrounded by yes people, mm. people who are afraid to tell you the truth. I don't. I don't want that. Um, I have people in my life that are like that, and I smile and nod when I hear what they say, and I don't judge them for it. I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. I'm not not gonna give that too much um, weight. Because I know when someone is acknowledging me or giving me laser-focused feedback, I know what that feels like. And usually because if, if someone acknowledges me for something, I usually get pretty emotional about it if it's real, if it's not flattery, which yes, people will give. Mm. Acknowledgement is like, oh my gosh, that cuts straight to my heart and I feel empowered and I feel seen and I feel grateful that someone 
had the courage to tell me in the same way that I've, and I think you were just saying to it before, it takes a lot of work to be able to receive and give feedback. Well, feedback needs to come from the same spirit. It gets to come from a spirit. That's like, I love you so much that I'm going to neutrally be honest with you as your friend or spouse or son or whoever, and do it in a way that the person has the opportunity to know if it lands for them, like if it actually is true for them. And I think if someone is careless with how they give feedback, they really just invite the other person to be defensive and to be upset and to get their adrenaline pumping, in which case there's ringing in their ears hormonally. Adrenaline's going nuts. They just feel like they need to throw a punch or sprint. And instead of if it's in love, if it's something that's like, oh, I'm lovingly telling you this. And not only that, I actually asked if you were okay for me to share with you, honestly. Oh yeah, permission. Right? Mm-hmm. Then, which is part of the art of it, I think. Um, it gives you a person opportunity not to go into adrenaline mode, fight or flight, and check in with themselves. Does that ring true for me or not? Right? And that's a beautiful thing. And there's been some pivotal times in my life where people have given me honest thoughts and feedback without it being something that comes from their anger or their annoyance or frustration. And I know exactly that I'm being loved. And oh my gosh, I didn't realize that, but I know that that's true. Yeah, I totally get to shift in that area of my life. And I think anyone who wants to grow should surround themselves with people that they have a consistent experience of, know when to acknowledge and when to give feedback. Fantastic gift. Mm, it is. And I think it it's it takes a minute to get there. It takes... It takes openness. Yeah, it does. And sometimes I'm open and sometimes I'm not. But in general, my my goal is to be an open person and to be to be willing to see the parts of me that are my shadow and the parts of me that are my light Mm. and to see that I have both and you have both and we have both together and doing life with each other also means drawing attention to both the shadow and the light and being like, wow, I love your light. And then, wow, did you, did you notice that shadow? Mm. Is that something you want to be there? Or if not, maybe I can shine my light on it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You have the light and the shadow and you're beautiful in all of it. Like, I love that you have light and shadow. I love more that you're open and constantly pursuing being aware of what both of those look like, you know, and I love that you're a great steward for me in my own process with that. Um, Cause it can be pretty overwhelming. I think, especially in a world where we're programmed to only project the light. You know, mm-hmm. and again, coming back to social media, that's like a thing. Curate beauty, like make it all beautiful, make it all great. My life's not beautiful all the time and neither is yours, you know, and that's fine. It doesn't make, especially you, doesn't make Instagram or social media presence inauthentic. Just means that, you know, there's a time and a place for things. Um, but you share dark stuff online. And I love that. I think that's great. I think that a lot of people do not. 
And there's also another balance. Like there's, there's people out there who only bitch about things. Mm. And it's kind of like, okay, cool. Well, um, life's not all bad. There's a lot of great stuff happening, you know. Anyways, I don't want to go off on too many tangents because I will. Waffles. I will waffle all the way home. <laughs> I think you, uh, you can just start a little side project. Your rapper name is Waffle House. <laughs> you know what? I'm open to that. <laughs> couple more questions before the end of the social media social media social media ready for this one i'm ready babe what would you do with my social media channel if i died oh man <laughs> oh that's a great question that's a great question honestly i would not lose any of what i think about what i about social media like i've just been sharing but I would shift into also wanting to honor your passion. Um, I have abilities to keep it going and I probably would. And I'd use it as a form of honoring you and what you're passionate about. That would be hard for me. Not technically, it would be hard emotionally. Um, I don't, I don't know all the things that I would think or go through with that. Um, but that would be my initial take. Okay. It wouldn't just be shut down. It wouldn't become all the weird, bizarre videos that I would make. And post. <laughs> uh, it would, it would be um, continuing on probably more focused on, well, you know what? No, it wouldn't be. I, I would honestly do a hack job of trying to do what you do because you're brilliant but I do my best to honor who you are and what you were trying to achieve, which I believe is that people do feel seen and feel equal and have a shit ton of fun doing it. Thanks. I'd be okay with that. All right. So be at ease now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I bet you weren't ready for that one. Mm Mm-mm. Crikey Moses, I was not ready for that. Nice. I like to keep it interesting. Yeah, I like it. Um, <clears throat> now. It's good to be unpredictable, especially when you've been married for 13 years. I know. Can't get boring ever. So we have shot a ton for cat footwear and we love them. I love them. And they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear about a risk that you've taken because they're huge advocates for risk taking, especially when it comes to creativity. And we love them, and we also love their shoes. <laughs> We've hiked in them many a time. Oh, my gosh. I actually have a pair of boots that I've been wearing almost every day for, like, three and a half years. It's true. I, I'm so They're surprised. They're one with me. I know. I'm surprised that your toes aren't sticking through like a cartoon. That's because they're so freaking well built, which is going to sound like I'm trying to advertise about cat footwear. It's actually just a real thing. It is. They just stay together. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, what's the so question? So I want to hear about a time that you took a creative risk in your life. Creative and risk. I want to hear what it felt like in your body. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I would say that traveling is a massive risk and I find it creative. The reason I find it creative is because of all the stuff that gets created in my brain when I travel. You know, I'm not 
going to talk about the any times where I like took a risk with craft or whatever, even though I'm open to it. But like you and I have like really engaged in some risk with our travels. Mm. I I have traveled all across the world, mostly to dangerous places and um, places that make my family and friends nervous to hear that I'm going and places that most people probably even know you and I've been. Um, That's risky. I have taken those risks, not because I'm reckless, but in all of those circumstances, there's an opportunity for me to create situations for people to be seen, for people to be cared for. Um, I think India and Democratic Republic of Congo are two of the best examples amongst quite a few. I don't, I don't think that people consider travel to be creative. I think it is extremely creative. I get most of my creative ideas when I travel. I write like a fiend when I'm on the road. Uh, I draw, I shoot my best work when I'm on the road. Um, and I, I meet people who inspire me. And all of that comes back into my creative brain. I find that when I get back home here in LA or in Melbourne, I suddenly am just like pouring out creatively. So I travel as much as I can. I'm actually starting to get a little itchy to get traveling again because it's that's my drug for sure. And uh, where, where I feel it in my body, um, I feel it in my gut. Man, I feel it in my gut. It's like tingly and a bit of an ache and a little bit like I'm hungry, but a little bit like I'm satisfied. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and even just the, the notion of knowing I'm traveling, like, oh, I'm about to go to this place. Oh my gosh. I'm like 72 hours from now, I'll be sitting on a plane. My brain starts to go crazy creatively because I know it's happening in anticipation. Um, not only that, I think the amount of ideas for projects you and I have worked on for people, sometimes for us and sometimes for others, I almost exclusively get when I'm sitting on a plane on like a long flight. It just pops in my head and suddenly I've written like 14, 15 pages creating the exact layout of what we're going to do. I don't know what that's about. Maybe there's some sort of altitude thing. Again, question for Science Mike. Question for Science Mike. I hope he calls in. Um, <laughs> and uh, so anyways, um, yeah, I feel it in my gut. Sometimes my hands and my face feel real hot as well, uh, which is good because when I'm writing and I do all of my writing with pen and paper, it, it just gets my hands moving which is actually fantastic. So I get very excited when I travel and not necessarily because I'm creative, because I'm going to learn what's more creative than learning and growing. Like it's cells continuing to replicate themselves. And if my cells are replicating themselves, it means I'm still living. So that's good. It is good. <laughs> For now. <laughs> I'm into it. Hmm. I like it. Obviously we uh, both share the travel bug. So I'm into it. Um, What's your favorite place you've ever been? India. Really? I love India. But then 
Yeah, India India does something in my in my in my depths. Mm. I love a lot of places. I love Antarctica. I love Jordan. I love Tunisia. I love Australia. I love Democratic Republic of Congo. But yeah, India India worked its way into me. Or maybe I used to live there in another life. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like I, start, I first went to India, I think, when I was 18 or 19. And how many times have you and I been there? Together? I think you've been there like nine and I've been there like five times. Yeah. I don't know if it's my favorite place, but it's certainly like the most wonderfully like bizarre mm. and like beautiful and tragic place all at once. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, I think that's why I love it because it's the it's the extremes of everything. It's it's every smell, every color, every temperature. It's just it's like every sense, every sensory experience you could possibly ever imagine all happening at one time. Um and it is heartbreak and ecstasy mm. right before your eyes at the same moment in the same mm scene it's insane i've never i've never experienced anything like it and i think i like extremes um and also like us i mean antarctica is extremes so you know that antarctica is great (laughs) but i love people and i think antarctica doesn't have the people element that i really love in india oh that's really true um you get penguins instead of people yeah in antarctica and they're cute and stuff but they're pretty social yeah as well um I love that, the heartbreak and the ecstasy. I've never heard you put it that way and I've never heard anyone put it that way and I think that that is exactly what I feel put into words. You're really good at it. Thanks. Um, what's your self-care routine like? Self-care routine. I My self-care routine, <laughs> I make sure that every day, at 2.37, I wear a tank top and I tickle myself with feathers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, That's a lie. It's a lie. I've seen you at 2.37 a lot. <laughs> it is a big fat lie. Um, <clears throat> no. My self-care routine looks a little strange to most people, uh, I think. Um, I am very calmed by cartoons i find myself watching cartoons when i need to just relax i've always been that way i don't believe i'll ever change but i enjoy the absurdity and the innocence that most cartoons seem to project i'm a huge fan of a few of the modern cartoons that are coming out that are referencing the cartoons i grew up with I will watch the Flintstones. I will watch the Simpsons. When I was younger, I made sure to sprint from my bus stop, um, which was about five minutes walk from my front door, Um, you know, going back and forth from school. But I'd sprint so I could hit record at 4 p.m. on Rugrats. And I think I recorded on, you know, old VHS, like every episode of Rugrats uh, and I would just watch them over and over again. And it was, it was complete and utter craziness to everyone else in my household, probably except for my mum, who like is probably the most accepting person in the entire universe. 
um, it just comforted me. And I don't really know why. I still don't really know why. Uh, I think I was just comforted by the tones. You know, now uh, I love regular show. It's like me in front of a fan wearing Thai fisherman pants and like a glass of icy LaCroix watching regular show in the afternoon is like the best self-care in the world. Um, the same goes for Adventure Time. I also really, really love Rick and Morty, but it's not like my comfort show because it's berserk. It actually, I love it. I laugh my butt off at it, but like it stresses me out a little bit. <laughs> um, I also, and I recently, I recently spoke with someone about this who's a trained psychologist and I, I was saying, you know, oh, I do this weird thing. And she was saying, oh, that's fine. Like, that's great. That's just you knowing what, what regulates you. But I told her, I've, I think I've watched Die Hard this year, like seven or eight times. <laughs> and keeping in mind, like sometimes it's on while I'm like editing or, you know, writing emails or whatever. It's like on my iPad. And, you know, so I'm not like necessarily like totally watching it. It's like on, and I know Die Hard so well. I've probably seen it 70 or 80 times. Like it's, it's my favorite action film and I'm not unique in that. Like it's so good. It's a great film. Um, I mean, it's fantastic. We should watch it right now. <laughs> um, but like I watch that and it just, for some reason, it's a, it's a certain familiar experience that I'm very entertained by. Cause I love the humor. I love the severity. I love the risk. I love how he overcomes great adversaries that I feel better at the end of it. Now it's not movies. Cause I could go to the movies anytime. I have a movie pass. Okay. I could go every day. I don't, but it's like, it's certain <laughs> things. It's certain things. Um, another one. And this is, I use Rocky, the movie Rocky as um, a very select movie that I watch when I'm in a very select place. It is my favorite movie. It's on the top of the list. But when I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I'm up against all odds, I will watch Rocky. And not in a weird way where I'm like, yeah, yeah, Rocky, like go sly. Like I'm not like that. I literally watch it and I... Not every time, but often I'll find myself feeling quite emotional about it because Rocky is a character who is scared out of his mind, but he does it anyway. And I feel encouraged by that. I'm actually thankful to, that that movie was made because it's been therapeutic. It actually really has. It reminds me that it's going to be okay. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. Just push into it, press into it. Be courageous. Yeah, I mean, I feel a bit emotional about it now. And it's not Rocky itself. Rocky is just a conduit for me requiring a reminder that um, despite how hard life can be, um, it's going to be okay. Um, and it's going to be better if I push into the stuff I'm afraid of. Um, there's other stuff I do for self-care 
I love cuddles. Uh, going back to Australia is fantastic for my self-care, but it's difficult to do constantly. Um, and I've been working on just going because, not because I have a reason to be there, but just because it's good. There's something very spiritual about Australia that I miss. So, yeah, that's what I do for self-care. Mm. Anyone else told you that they watch Rocky to feel better about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Rocky or Die Hard, you need to get the heck out there and watch them or rather just purchase them on a streaming service of your choice. Oh, my gosh. I love you. It's beautiful. Thanks for being vulnerable. What about um, what about you and you and other people? What do you see that you you share when you look at other people? Um, hmm. You know, you would think that I'd have thought this answer out, seeing as how many times I've actually edited other people's answers, but I haven't. <laughs> is that weird? It is. We are all Earthlings. Meaning we're not Martians. We didn't come from Saturn. We are Earth. Uh, Earth has hosted us and Earth has nurtured and nourished us into existence. I don't think this is always going to be the case. There's going to be a day where this won't be the thing that we can say everyone shares because I think there will be times. It's only, it's only a matter of time. There will be a situation where people are living on Mars. Um, but, you know, Earth is our home. And it's Earth has been really good to us for being a place that has natural consequences every day, you know, a pretty violent place in many areas of the world. Being an Earthling is like a really crazy privilege. We don't know if there's other places like Earth out there that harbour life. I think it's silly to think there's not. I think it's stupid to think there's not. It's the probability is against you if you think that we're the only one. And so for us, until we either meet aliens from another planet or we ourselves find that we are successfully inhabiting another celestial body, even the moon, moonlings, uh, has actually a pretty good ring to it. Um, we are earthlings. We really are. And as sci-fi as that sounds, like it's a very grounding thought, especially when you travel. It's a very grounding thought to be like, wow, the majority of stuff that we actually do day to day is the same. We eat, we breathe, we have responsibilities. There are people that we are concerned for, that we want to be well. I really wish that we would take that commonality as being earthlings to be a unifying force. Wasn't it um, Reagan? I think it was Reagan who actually said, and a lot of like UFO enthusiasts have uh, used this as evidence that Reagan knew more than he was letting on, which I, which is interesting. But Reagan said something like, if we were to any, I mean, he said this publicly, uh, if we were to suddenly find out that we were not alone in the universe, wouldn't we 
suddenly bind together as a unified force. And I think that that's pretty true. So yeah, going to get all science fiction on your ass, but like (laughs) we're earthlings. We should take care of the earth and each other. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I've never really considered that too much in in terms of, I mean, you hear people say like, we're all citizens of planet earth and kind of throw away stuff on earth day, but really, truly all sharing a home, really. It's kind of crazy. It's our home. Mm. And it's a really diverse home with lots of rooms and lots of smells and lots of different kitchens. Mm. But it's, it's our home. Well, thanks so much for being here and chatting. This is fun. We should do it more often. Yeah, it's totally fine. Uh, would you like me to go make lunch for you? <laughs> <laughs> make bay a sandwich. Make bay a sandwich. I love it. You've been listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee. Tweet me at Team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on Instagram using Out of Line Podcast and let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?